This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey, that's that's pretty bad. Huge, huge fourth quarter collapse from the Raptors, losing 118 to 104 to the Indiana Pacers. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and it's brought to you by Goldfinger Law. Of course, Goldfinger Law, where you only pay if you win, and you can contact them at 416-730-1777. This game had a lot of good in it. Mostly to do with OG Ananobi and Thad Young and, and Chris Boucher as well. A lot of bad in it. And that bad had some players specifically, which I'll get into, but also uh, the Raptors on the wrong side of a, a play style change, on the wrong side of the Pacers adjustment, and on the wrong side of a good shooting night, honestly. The Raptors, the biggest deal is that <laughs> as their defense faltered in that fourth quarter, uh, they gave up 36 points. That's a lot. Some of that is chickens coming home to roost on overloading on Tyrese Halliburton, him making really great reads as the as the passer, the primary initiator for the Pacers, and then just some really good shooting from the guys around that. Sure, some of it is transition and having guys like Isaiah Jackson come in, go five for five from the field, really athletic finishing at the rim, getting to spots. Really, the Raptors who started this game playing Thaddeus Young at the five, Otto Porter Jr. was also in the starting lineup. Coloco in his minutes was not good, left the game with a hip pointer injury, then was cleared to come back in, but was not did not make his his presence known in this game. And, and a guy like Isaiah Jackson to kind of come in, punch the glass, punch the rim as a threat there. And, and Miles Turner also providing quite a bit of pop there as well. Uh, the Raptors had a tough time containing all of that once once the Pacers started to make shots. Once the Pacers started to get into the the swing of things on defense towards the end of the game, that's where the Raptors lost this one, in my opinion. These things are always tied together because you can never completely remove defense from offense or vice versa, especially in today's game. This isn't walk it up the court, initiate, you know, triangle offense, try and glean like an advantage, get an isolation on a good spot of the floor, something like that. This isn't that basketball. It's there's almost one side of the floor, really, because transition, you know, the quick pickup after a bucket, the quick pickup after a rebound to kind of get set, start things, early offense, mismatches, all this kind of stuff. It is so big. And especially for the Raptors, when they score 14 points in a quarter, they're most likely going to give up quite a bit on the other end because those few points, that means rebounds, that means leakouts, that means runouts, that means a lot of things. And on the other end, it means that the Raptors, you know, they're getting scored on too, so they have to take the ball out of their own basket. They come attack a half-court defense repeatedly. The, the Pacers in this one, 
honest time's not having to attack half court defense, especially in that that 36 to 14 run over the course of the 12 minute fourth quarter. It was it was tough, man. It did not go well. It went quite poorly. I guess I'll also add just for posterity's sake, in, in case you didn't know, uh Pascal Siakam still out. Precious Achua still out. Uh Ken Birch still out, and Fred Van Vliet with that illness that took him out of last game against Oklahoma City, uh, still out for this one. The Raptors started out this game with OG, Otto Porter Jr., Thad Young, Scotty Barnes, and Gary Trent Jr., and they uh, they lost the first quarter by two. They won the second quarter by 15, though. That was extremely promising. A lot of it had to do with the less-than-stellar lineup that the Pacers walked out on the other side of the floor. But it also had to do with Thad finding his a nice stretch of basketball. I mean, guys like Flynn, guys like Boucher, Banton even, right? Banton, he had, what, two, two threes in this game. Both of them catch and shoot. Both of them nice. Uh, he, he also hit, like, an 18-foot pull-up jumper. That was really nice to see. A little bit more activity than we're used to defensively, albeit not tremendous in this one it's hard to point out anybody as being like truly truly great although og and chris i think definitely had really strong stretches it's uh it's an undermanned team the raptors after the game nick nurse said they didn't have the juice and as less than satisfying that is as an answer when a game like this comes down to shot making when the pacers start throwing as much help towards the middle of the floor as they did gapping dudes, bringing help at the nail. Uh, this is this is something that you just can't avoid. This is something the ball is going to funnel out to shooters. The Raptors, was it 9 to 19, something like that? How many threes? How many threes? Let's take a look. Yeah, 19 threes for Indiana. Sorry, not nine. Seven threes for the Raptors. Four of them. Sorry, five of them coming off the bench. OG hitting the two in the starting lineup. Scotty 0 for 4, Thad 0 for 2, Otto 0 for 1. Maybe there was some room, he, and he airballed that one really bad. He's having he's having trouble getting to uh, getting to open three point shots right now. The guys aren't doing a great job of creating for Otto. He is making his presence known with heady defense, and he is getting after it on the offensive glass and as a cutter. But he hasn't had an easy not since Pascal was there, and they hardly overlapped so far this year. He hasn't had an easy game as far as the ball sliding out to him. For, for making threes and whatnot. And yeah, Gary was he one for 13 in this game. That's tough. And this, this also does lean into one of those things that is Gary, the creation, whatever it looks like, if he is creating, it is reliant on that finish. And that finish is not easy. That finish is always, always difficult. It's a pull-up guy in his grill. It's just shot making. And that means he can be... Jeez, he can be on the wrong side of a, a, a trend, a run, a bad run of form. And, and when Scotty is your primary and OG, you know, OG is, we, he had a couple plays this game where, oh man, he was so great. 26-2-3 and three in this one. The three assists, some of it is like he got a double on, on a post entry and he pinged the ball across the floor to the above the break to Delano who hit a three. That was great. Some of these sprayed out passes to guys like Malachi, for example. Uh, and, and some to Gary, where Gary was just missing. But OG, for the most part, is a guy when he's getting downhill, he wants to do the lay down. 
He wants to keep the ball kind of in that area. He wants to give it to the bigs, which is a valuable type of playmaking, especially as a secondary tertiary guy that he's usually been. But if he's the main guy for the Raptors, and, and tonight he was, that 26 was a big part of their scoring, and and his downhill creation was a big part of his scoring, then uh, him being kind of limited going from perimeter to perimeter creation means that when the Pacers put that bring that help, uh, it, it does really put not a nail in the coffin of the Raptors' offense uh, to some degree, but it's just OG isn't going to keep a live dribble, start dragging guy out, ping the ball across the floor like that while he's facing up. It's just, it's not really going to happen. So the Pacers, that adjustment helped a lot. And and Scotty, he had one play. OG was actually on the other side of this. He missed the three, but Scotty getting downhill, you know, in and out with the left, the live dribble, uh, skip pack, skip pass across the floor. That was really nice. But Scotty was the guy in this game. You know, there's been a lot of conversation. I So basically, I, I talk about basketball with my friends. And they talk about basketball in a similar fashion to me. So the outside opinion that I typically get is of Twitter. And so Twitter has been talking about, you know, Scotty's aggressiveness. Is he injured? All this kind of stuff. And Scotty was pretty aggressive in this game. Honestly, it just didn't go well. And that's that's where we're seeing the skills. Because aggression in basketball has to be coupled with something. Um, you know, last year it was a big joke all the time about, you know, calling precious a low IQ player, which I hate that term. And I, I hope nobody uses it, but that was thrown around a lot of the time because what does precious do aggressiveness without a plan? Maybe sometimes aggressiveness without the requisite skill to deliver you through that aggressiveness. And that's why just saying like, Oh, just be more aggressive is not, not the proper catch all for these guys. Scotty was aggressive in this game. He also was four of 16 from the floor. The aggressiveness has to be coupled with finesse, with shot making, with good decision making and stuff like that. You can't just be aggressive. You have to, we've seen Pascal, a guy who has a similar build, although not as strong as Scotty. You know, he's more athletic in some ways, more uh, slithery, but he's not as like powerful in some ways. But these guys, if you want to do a facsimile or something like that, Scotty should look to Pascal as somebody who he can try and emulate in some ways of creation. And and Scotty doesn't have the, not that he's supposed to at this point, but Scotty does not have the requisite skill, shot making, ability to read the second level of the defense to command an offense at the NBA level. There's just, there's too many counters the defense can throw at him. So when he's out there and trying to make stuff move, sometimes it won't move. Sometimes it will just be him trying stuff. And in this game, four of 16, you know, a couple turnovers, minus 18. It's eight points, nine boards, five assists. He couldn't drive the Raptors anywhere that they needed to go, you know, over the course of his 39 minutes. OG was a better driver in this game. But even he is not a diverse offensive player. He's not 3 and D, definitely not. But he's not a diverse primary who's going to respond to that counter and find his own way through it and stuff like that. And that was the big deal with the Raptors. That's why it was 14 points in that fourth quarter. They didn't have the counters. The The Pacers said, hey, we think we can stop your main line of creation. We're doing it now. Find another way. It didn't, they didn't find another way. And that was, that was the biggest deal. And even like the early part of the game where the Pacers were kind of spread out and the Raptors were really getting to the rim. Like Chris Boucher was awesome in this game, 19.7 rebounds, 
it's not just his hustle plays in this game that we've been quite accustomed to seeing from Chris Boucher. Those those cuts along the baseline, like Corey cuts or or forty five cuts, to mirror these drives and to get it on a handoff and to finish at the rim or to like beat guys up the floor, or get a hit ahead pass. Just really great interpretive offense. It was him getting the ball like twenty four feet from the basket, having you know a dribble, but being like in a a triple threat, giving a jab step. And then taking Miles Turner off the bounce all the way to the rim. Like that's that's not dependable offense. You take it in the middle of the game, of course. And thank you, Boucher, for doing so. But this is not the type of offense that the Raptors are like, okay, once a defense buckles down, this is what we can go to. And that's probably the the biggest deal is that once the Pacers found what they wanted to do against the Raptors defensively in this one, the Raptors, they their offense was too one note from too many different positions. This is the appeal of a star. Siakam, a superstar, has seen, you know, he's seen more defenses, more looks than most players have. And they're, they've had like six, seven more games than he's had so far this season, like twice as many games. He's already seen more than most guys. He's seen more than most guys will this year. Not superstars, but most players. And you know what that means is that Siakam, once he comes back, he makes a lot of this stuff tick. Fred. He makes a lot of this stuff tick. Precious, he would have helped a lot in this game. You know, provided he's on form, it means a lot. It's just, they're shorthanded. And the thing is, they sh- they shouldn't have lost this game. You hope that these guys, when things stop working so well on offense, because they were getting to spots, they were finding points, they were manufacturing buckets. You hope that as that dwindles, you know, it's like locked down a little bit better on defense. But there's a lot of breakdowns. Like I know the, the broadcast was pointing out Scotty, some of his freelancing freestyle on defense. It's, it's hurt them the past few games. And at the point of attack, Scotty Tyrese Halberton is not a guy who's known for being able to dust guys. He's not like a hyper athletic creator. He's not super quick off the bounce. His, his handle is seen as limited in some respects, but he's really smart and he gets by guys another way. Like, OG. He couldn't get by him, tried him twice, moved the ball off and used his off ball movement to get away from OG, got into space. OG had to help another guy on a drive. And then by the time he got back to the pass, going to Halberton, that he he overplayed his hand and Halberton drew a foul. Sideline out of bounds. Just small things like that. That's a nice way to create a to create more possession time for the Pacers. But he's not gonna dust a guy like OG. Few people can. That's maybe a bad example. He's not gonna dust a guy like Otto Porter, really. But he beat Barnes off the dribble downhill way too many times. And this is where Barnes, you wonder, Scotty, I've talked about him a lot since covering him. You let your length do some of the work at the point of attack. He loves to get into guys, but he's slower than these guards. That's them's the breaks, Scotty. You are slower than these guards. They turn the corner on you, and we watch them do it over and over and over again. Give them a little bit of a buffer. That's what the length is for. It allows you to play in space. It allows you to take, you know, less aggressive angles and and keep guys in front of you, all that kind of stuff. And he just wants no truck with that. And uh, the Raptors as a whole in that in that fourth, they did not find their groove defensively. And that's that's part of why they lost. But additionally, is because the Pacers, they made great adjustments and, and they completely annihilated them. Beat them by 22. Over the course of 12 minutes, tough. Before we get out of here, uh, really credit to uh, Banton and Flynn 
Flynn with some creation going downhill. The the catch and shoot stuff did not go well. God, it would have been nice if that paired with some of the off the dribble. Like he had that incredible high touch with his left hand. He had that. I think it was. Oh man, I think it was healed. Who did he? I can't remember who he beat off the bounce, but he finished with that inside hand lay, right? Just and, and that was an end one too. Just really nice to see some of the finishes he had at the rim and getting downhill too. Would have been great if this was the game where that was coupled with that his catch and shoot stuff because he did have a couple opportunities. None of them dropped though. Um, so yeah, just tough to see. And Banton, if that jumper goes, man, and he also had a really great finish at the rim too. But if that jumper goes, things start getting way more interesting for Delano Banton. He can like his little hang dribbles and that kind of stuff. If that hang can turn into like a little snatchback jumper from 18, and that's something he can reliably go to. Oh my days. That hang dribble and like and then push through, you know, maybe like Sham God. I don't know. I don't know how saucy he wants to get, but that if he can work from that hang dribble and add, you know, a pull-up to it, that means that when he's in the middle of the floor and especially coming off of like a screen, he's gonna be able to put, you know, if it's drop, if it's a guy at the level, if his defender just standing in front of him, there's going to be so many more ways for him to manipulate. And so this was cool to see. I thought Banton offensively showed some stuff in this game. Anytime that jumper starts to progress, I think we all have to kind of sit, pay attention to that and take it in. That was meaningful. Uh, man, Reggie Evans award. I still want to give it to Chris. He might win it every game, you know, they go, but it's like, who, who, go, who goes harder than Chris Boucher? Nobody really. This has been the case. For not a year yet, I think that it was December 5th, I believe, where his game started turning around last season. And uh, I was at that game and he talked about doing meditation and kind of clearing his head and understanding a new role and all that kind of stuff. That was great. Um, but we're, we're coming up on a year where Chris Boucher has been one of the best bench players in the NBA. He still does it. Reggie Evans award uh, to him. Top quick reaction comment is from Chilango. Quote, I still think they should move Banton to the wing and make Flynn the backup point guard. End quote. Yeah, I, um, I'm i not sure how important the monikers are, but uh, I think that Flynn, he's got NBA skills. That's the thing. I, I wonder, I wonder if there's like room for him. Because it seems that Nurse is so hesitant to play him. I understand it's easier for a wing or a wing-sized guy to just step into these lineups and for everything to keep moving. And that's that's what coaches like. The higher like the structure, the hierarchy of, you know, it's like you just fit right in there and you fit on a lower rung. And it's just like good. And Malachi, you have to institute kind of new principles. If he comes in, you have to give him the ball in some areas where maybe you wouldn't give Delano. And but also Delano, yeah, like Delano's on the ball stuff. Everybody knows it's been bad. Uh, like the the pull up dribble, the pull up jumper in this game was nice. But over the course of the season so far, and and last season, Banton is not a when he's on ball. There's not really a threat there. Uh, teams understand that they they go under screens. They they let him hang out up there. He usually moves the ball on. And uh, yeah, so who knows how that develops over the course of the season, over the course of his career. But Flynn, he, he shakes things up. The only question is, is it shaking up in the good way? That's the question. And Nurse obviously does not think that Flynn has been good enough to warrant that shakeup. 
He might be, though. You know, there's there's some value there. I'm sure other teams in the NBA are paying attention to Flynn as like a second draft guy. So we'll see. Thanks for writing in, Chilongo. Uh, appreciate you. Thanks for listening in, listener. Uh, if you're on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, all that good stuff. If you're on the podcast channel, thanks for letting me talk to you. But I got into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.